Welcome everyone to Seek Go Create. This is your host, Tim Winders. It is so exciting to come to you today with a fantastic topic. Today, the topic is forgiveness. We've got uh, someone who's got expertise in this area and written a book. We're going to discuss that, go deep into the area of forgiveness. And I want to say this right up front before we uh, get to a couple of items and then I get to uh, get to our guest. This is not just a spiritual topic. It is not just a topic for those folks that may have gone through some major traumatic event. I truly believe this is a topic for everyone. And the more I coach and work with leaders and and people in organizations, I think it's vital to organizations, both business, profit, and ministries. So important topic. Hang tight. We'll get to it in just a moment. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you that you have the opportunity to connect with Seek Go Create in a lot of places. Of course, you might be listening to this on your podcast platform. I'm glad you're doing that. You may be watching this on YouTube. We've got a YouTube channel. It's growing. It's one of our fastest growing platforms right now. But we love to interact with people on the social media platforms because it's a little more engaging, a little more back and forth. So if you are not currently engaging, following us, interacting, whatever, we are on LinkedIn and we are Seek Go Create everywhere. We're on LinkedIn. You could go there. We are on Facebook, Seek Go Create. You could go there and connect with us. We are on Twitter. Uh, you could go there. The two that we are most active on right now would be TikTok. Yes, short form video that reinforces a lot of the topics, a lot of the things we're talking about here in leadership, business, and ministry. And we are very active on Instagram. So we would love to see you there, love to get some feedback, love to interact with you. So make sure that you check us out there. Welcome to Seek Go Create. We have Ronald D. Ramsey today, and we had this discussion before because he's got a lot of a lot of titles after his name. So he is he is technically a doctor, and we'll uh, we'll see what kind of uh, title I refer to him as we go along here. But he's a marriage counselor and a clinical chaplain. He is retired from corporate life after a 25-year career as an organizational development consultant, and I like this specializing in large-scale culture change. In his new book, and we're going to discuss this in detail, 40 Days to Forgiveness, A Christian's Field Guide to the Forgiveness Journey. That's a mouthful. There's a lot there, but it's very important. So forgiveness, that's the topic. Ramsey blends scripture with behavioral science research and professional and personal insight to unravel the complexities surrounding forgiveness. Uh, Dr. Ronald Ramsey, welcome to Seek Go Create. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I think we we were kind of uh, a little bit before we pushed record, I said, what do I call you? And you kind of said, I don't care. So I might bounce with Dr. Dr. Ramsey, Ron. So uh, anyway, I'm glad you're here. That, um, that description of you was actually extremely condensed. And uh, you've got quite the bio. And the question that I ask is kind of my icebreaker question that I like to ask people when I meet them. So I asked them here on the podcast, if we meet somewhere and we're just chit-chatting and I ask you what you do, Ron, what do you typically tell people when they say, what do you do? Well, I tell them that I'm a marriage counselor first because people relate to that. They know what that is. And I tell them that I'm a chaplain that works in a hospital but what I really do is I help people connect their faith to the challenges life is throwing at them. And I do that through the mediums of uh, chaplaincy, marriage counseling, and, um, and, the, and as an author. Yeah, and we wanna, one of the things we're going to be doing here is we're going to really be going into the 40 Days to Forgiveness book. But uh, but I, I wanted to ask a few questions kind of leading up to that. First of all, I, I need you. This is kind of an interesting thing I read somewhere. I need you to tell me about Theo because you've got you've got someone in your house named Theo. Yeah. And I want you to know that I am actually sitting yeah. in Theo. We named our RV Theo. So tell me about Theo. Come here, Theo. Awesome. Theo goes to the hospital with me, visits patients. Uh, when I had an office doing marriage counseling, he would come in the office and sit next to me 
And if a couple would get in a tiff or get upset and cry, he would sit up and look at me. And I would ask them if they'd like a visit. And if they said yes, then he would go over and jump up on the couch between them. It's pretty hard to keep arguing with each other when he's sitting and looking at you. So that's Theo. That's Theo. So I, I, one extra layer to that, how was Theo named? Because Theo is also short for Theodore or Theopolis or some other things. Where, where did Theo get his, uh, get his name? Well, my daughter and I made the decision together to get him. And I gave her permission to name him. And we couldn't come up with a name that we could agree on. So she she had a contest on social media and asked all of her friends to suggest a name. And uh, Theo is what they came up with. <laughs> well, very good. Well, uh, we like to say because Theo Theopolis is sort of a root of uh, theology or study of God and things like that, that we are within our RV. We are in God even when we're traveling. And so uh, so that, I thought that was kind of cool when I read that. I'm actually broadcasting from the passenger seat of Theo, and Theo, my guess is, is around you somewhere there. He's right back there. Right back there. That's 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 beautiful. So, so many things here, right? So you got marriage counseling, but I think the first thing that I want to ask for for those people that aren't familiar with chaplains, um, I was on the board of an organization that we we actually did ministry within elder care facilities, and we actually trained chaplains. And I think early on in that process, I and I was not a young fellow when I was doing this, I don't think I understood the difference between preachers, pastors, people that we see in ministry, and what chaplains do. Can you just, for the sake of the audience, to explain to us what a chaplain is? Well, usually we think of pastors or preachers as being people who have a set congregation that they minister to, a set group of people, and they have a fairly long-term relationship with those people. A chaplain visits people in the hospital who may be there for one day, or may be there for a month, or may be there for even longer. Um, typically, the people that I visit with are people that are receiving palliative care, which means they have an incurable condition. And um, in some regards, have received their death sentence. There, there may not be death may not be imminent in the next week or month, but they're got a condition that's incurable, and the hospital is providing them with treatment to maintain the best quality of life possible in their last days. Hmm. I would. Uh... I would guess it takes, I was just having a discussion with my wife about this. We were talking about, uh, my father is in a long-term memory care facility um, stage, whatever, one of the highest numbers of stages of dementia. And, and my wife was just kind of talking to me about how I would not necessarily, I've got some skills, but nurturing is not necessarily a skill that would be high on my chart and with what you just brought up ron i would guess to me it seems like it takes a certain type of person how did you get into that how at what point did you say this was an area that you were created to minister in and go and go into well it's something i've thought about most of my life because my mother was a chaplain mm -hmm. And so I saw what she did and I heard her stories, but I didn't go that route. I went into corporate life. And when I retired from corporate life, uh, the first year I didn't really do much of anything. And my wife said, you need to go find something to do. So I went back to school and got my degree in marriage and family therapy. Um, but what I found when I was in my office is that I didn't have enough clients to keep me busy eight hours a day, every day of the week. 
So I had these gaps in time and there was a hospital right down the street. And I thought, I'll go down there and see if I can volunteer my time uh, visiting with patients. And so I did that and I liked it and decided that that was something I was gonna make uh, part of my mission, part of my purpose. So I went mm-hmm. through a training program through the Association for Clinical Pastoral Education and finished that two years ago. And uh, so I've been doing that now for, been chaplaining now for about four four years, I guess. So, so you've got this interesting mix when you've brought, you've, you've touched on all of it here as we've kind of gotten started. And, and, and I want, I want, you to know, I'm driving towards a, a deep conversation about forgiveness, but I really like to unpack some layers and some understanding of someone that would write a book about forgiveness truthfully. And so uh, I think there's value to that, but you brought some, there's some unique pieces that you bring together with what you do. You've got the organizational consulting that you do, which I actually have a bit of a background in that. I'm an industrial and systems engineer from Georgia Tech, and I've done a lot of organizational work with coaching clients and things like that. But then but then now you've got marriage counseling, and you've also got this chaplaincy, and now you're an author. Can you talk a little bit how all those pieces fit together in one I don't want to say in one body, but but what is it like bringing all that together? And what are the pros? If are there any cons? You know, what is it you're able to bring all into this uh, to this picture? Well, the thing I borrow from my professional life is training and development. In the book that I put together, um, I used an instructional design approach to write the book. So there's chapters. Then there's sections and chapters that I call days, and each day has a reading, and then it has an assignment. And the assignment is intended to help people gradually go through a process from unforgiveness to forgiveness. Um, As a marriage counselor, I help people try to connect their uh, struggles in their marriage with their faith, but also try to help them learn new ways of interacting and and being with with each other, which is a lot like what I did in in organization development consulting, trying to help people and companies look at the way they're operating, look at what's working and what's not working, and try and connect them with new ways of behaving in the workplace that will increase productivity. So there's some similarities there. And then as a chaplain, um, I try to connect people with their their faith and how their faith can help see them through the challenges that they're having with their health. And in all of those situations, I've seen unforgiveness as a significant portion of the struggles that people deal with. Uh, even in the work environment, holding grudges, wanting to get even with each other, uh, playing one-upsmanship in the, in the leadership ranks. It all comes down to being able to uh, be forgiving and to let go of grudges that you're harboring and bitterness and in place of uh, a positive outlook towards a more productive work environment. Yeah, you you mentioned that part of your I'll I'll call it your mission. I don't know if that's the right term, but part of what you do is you help connect people's faith with issues, challenges, whatever they may be going through in life. And obviously, that's very apparent in probably marriage counseling. It's very apparent when you're dealing with people, especially when they're in the last you know, weeks, days, months, years of their life. That's obviously probably the, in, big in people's mind. But I, I'd like to back up and, and I'd like to find out more about your faith journey. And I don't, I don't know if we want to call it testimony or anything like that. I know in church world, you know, we talk about testimony and all that. But I'd just like to understand a little bit more about, you know, did you grow up in a church environment? You mentioned your mother was a chaplain. Um, in one portion of the book the portion of the book that i read you mentioned that you had um 
a situation that you had to deal with forgiveness that was an abuse type situation. So I, I would love to know a little bit of the background, because again, I'm, I'm attempting to understand when someone writes this, and it's a healthy book you wrote on forgiveness, I'd like to know a little bit more of their journey that led to that. So what, whatever background you want to give, I'm open to it. I kind of gave you a wide net there. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, a question that could take me hours to answer, but I'll try and do it quicker than that. I'll keep you on track. Don't worry about it. I will, I will jump in if I need to. Please do. Please do. Well, my mother was a woman of real strong faith, and she raised me that way. I was raised in the church. And she always felt that God had a calling on my life and that I would go into some form of ministry. And in my undergraduate program, I had a dual major in clinical psychology and in religious education. I left uh, my my college days, my first job was as a youth minister in a church. And while I was doing that, I was designing all the instruction that I was using and really liked doing that. Found out you could actually get a job just doing that. So I went back to school to study instructional technology, got a job in corporate America, and sort of got stuck there for 25 years. Um, after I left corporate life, I decided I didn't want to go back to doing corporate work anymore. I was kind of through with that, had enough of it, wanted to find a new way to maneuver, a new way to spend my time. I was looking for a new purpose in my life. And it was during that time that when I was studying counseling, that they recommended that while you're a counselor, it's a good idea for you to be in counseling yourself. And it was while I was in counseling during my training that I learned that I had repressed uh, a lot of uh, fear and bitterness and anger around being sexually abused myself as, as a child. And so I came to grips with that and when the time came to come up with a dissertation topic, I wanted to do something that I felt a personal connection with, but that I felt would also have the greatest impact on the body of Christ. And forgiveness is the thing that I settled on that I thought would align best with my purpose. Hmm. So, so that's, that's the nutshell version. Yeah, and this actually, there's so many layers to this, Ron, and I don't, I'm trying to decide how many of these I want to peel back because I actually have recently been interacting with a number of people that, that are actually fellow podcasters, some that are just uh, people that are out there that have gone through what, I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but just, we'll call it church hurt you know they, they've been they've been in situations that uh, and i and, and i actually wrote this down as part of the layers of the forgiveness portion because it impacts people's faith uh quite a bit and um so i i want to put that out there but i i think before i go there i want to ask you you know your mother I think she was pretty strong and raised you in the church and things like that. Were you, were you always a church guy? Was there a time where you kind of stepped away? Was there a time that you questioned? I really hate the word we're hearing now called deconstruction. That's kind of a word that I think we're overusing and possibly using in the incorrect way in a lot of times. But um, were you just always connected to God? Were there ever times where you kind of were questioning some of that and and, and if so, would that look like? Well, certainly there's been peaks and valleys. Um, I wouldn't say that I ever have fallen completely away from my faith, but there have been times where my faith wasn't a prominent part of my life. Mm. Um, the wife that I'm married to for 38 years now is a lot like my mother was in the sense that she had, don't tell her I said that. <laughs> We, we can't let her listen to this. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm going to have to keep her from listening to this one. We'll be, we'll be, well, there's a section where we go beep, 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 beep. 
She's a lot like my mother in the sense that she's a woman of intensely strong faith, mm. and she's my prayer warrior. And she's really helped me to stay connected with my faith over the 38 years that the two of us have been together. Yeah, that and and you know, uh, it's I think it's cool you're a marriage counselor because you, like me, I'm 34 years um, with an incredible woman that I I sometimes don't even want to go down this path of thinking about where I would be, what I would be doing, what my life would have been like had it not been for her there. Uh, just solidly keeping me in 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 check in prayer and all of that. I mean, she literally prayed me into the kingdom of God. So uh, because I didn't grow up around that environment, so uh, so that's uh, that's interesting. All right, so so then so let's go down this path of what we're seeing that is really causing a lot of we'll call it issues with folks, and I, I'm I don't. I don't know if we want to spend a lot of time on this because I want to get to some general items related to forgiveness, but I know just in my circles of people I'm interacting with that a lot of what they're dealing with are issues that are coming from other people that are believers. <laughs> and and in a lot of ways, it is situations with church, I'll call, call it small c church, that are causing a lot of the challenges that uh, that people are having. Are you seeing some of that? Are you interacting with that? And 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 what are your thoughts when I bring that up? Well, I wouldn't say that I. In my role as a marriage counselor and as a chaplain, I try to connect with people where they are. Hmm. I try to come into their world and see things from their perspective and help them get in touch with the pain or the struggle that they're trying to deal with in their life. I don't, I try not to bring my own values to that. And I try not to be judgmental about how their faith may or may not be the factor that's bothering them unless they indicate that, unless they feel that their faith is bothering them. I, I had a woman one time that I met with uh, in the hospital who had turned her back on God because she was angry that God would allow his people, his priests, to mistreat children. And she just couldn't get past that. But that was something she brought up. Right. And as a result of her bringing it up, I talked with her and tried to help her see that uh, what really mattered was her relationship with God and that she could pray for those people who had fallen away and mistreated children and that God would like for her to do that. So I look at things through the eyes of the people that I'm working with. That's the way a counselor and a chaplain works. Yeah, and no, I, I think that's good. So so what all right so you did your thesis on this topic of forgiveness you you had some things that you dealt with personally and all that but you know there's a big difference between going through some personal experience and all of a sudden saying you're going to write a book that is very instructional very practical i, I, I don't know if practical is the right word because you do blend, blend in scripture and everything with it but what led to writing the book i mean i'm very fascinated in that i just wrote a novel myself and I, i'm fascinated with the question of why write a book well i like taking on challenges um, in the kind in the kind of work that i did every time i got an assignment it was something i had never done before and i like that I like um, breaking new ground. So after you've spent two years of your life researching a topic to write a, a research dissertation on, it just seems logical to keep going with that topic. So I just built upon the work that I had done, the research that I had done in my doctoral program. Um, I just built on that to go ahead and continue with writing a book. But I also felt strongly that my mission in life or my ministry that my mom's, my mother, I feel prepared me for was to try and strengthen the church. 
and that's the that's the ministry that I see. I'm not cut out to be a church preacher. Uh, that's not me. Uh, but I am cut out to try and look for ways that we can strengthen the fabric of the church. And forgiveness is something that everybody experiences, whether they want to admit to it or not. And it's something that gets in the way of um, effective church fellowship, being an effective witness in the world, having an effective testimony. It's hard to do those things when you're living in a state of unforgiveness. So um, the book on forgiveness just seemed a natural fit for, for my mission and my purpose. Right. And, and I agree with you. And I think when I kind of kicked this off, maybe before I got into intros and all that, I kind of brought up, we've got, I know a lot of people that listen in, they're business people. Some of these folks might be hard charging people. Some of them might be in a leadership role. And then also we kind of sprinkle in or bring ministry in. I, I, as I was reading through and doing some research and kind of getting prepared for this, Ron, I kind of kept feeling this, I don't know if it was just something in my spirit and my heart and my gut, I don't know what it was, that forgiveness is something that we push aside pretty often. That is something that it's biblical. We'll talk about that here shortly. I'm going to ask you to give some you know, biblical references and things related to this. But in the circles that I run in or the people that I interact with, it seems as if we mention the word, we talk about it, but we don't really deal with it. Would that be fair or is that just Tim's observation? Well, that's the path of least resistance. Hmm. And we tend to want to take the easy way out when we can. And but isn't that what we do in culture? Isn't that the way most people live their lives? Sure. Yes, it is. So, so, so it's been so, it's been pushed aside. So then, is it, when you write a book about it, when you bring it up, do you see a lot of people embracing it, or do they still kind of look at it like, oh yeah, forgiveness? I need to forgive 70 times seven, you know, or, or and, and just kind of they say it and then they kind of move on because you've got, and we'll get into it in just a moment. You've got like 40 days or 40 chapters of very, I won't say intense, but very intentional activities, exercises, you know, journaling, study uh, to go through this process. And I, you know, maybe this is a little bit of a cynical approach here, but I'm wondering how many people will really do that. <laughs> well, I think people will do what, whatever they feel is going to be helpful to them. I don't know that everyone will necessarily sit down and go through this book from cover to cover. And um, it's written in such a way where you can pick it up where you think you need to be and start there. And as the exercises are helpful, uh, you'll continue to do them. And when they're not, then you might put the book aside for a while and maybe come back to it at another time. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I I think I told you that I read up to, I think the first, I think I'm on chapter two maybe, or the, the day two that I was just kind of reading through just to kind of get a, a flavor of, of what you had done very well written. I think the content is, is valuable. And, uh, and I'm sitting here as I'm reading it, even though uh, oh, it wasn't weird, I guess, but you know, I'm reading it kind of to prepare so that we can have this conversation, but I'm sitting here going, Hmm, yeah, I probably need to go through this process because there's names that kept popping in my head and, and situations and things like that. Let's talk, let's talk big picture forgiveness before we go into some specifics related to the book, though. What, um, what do we know about forgiveness? Let's just look at biblical. What do we know about forgiveness from the perspective of the Bible? I also want to say this right now. I'm doing a read through the Bible. My wife and I are doing a chronological read through the Bible. And at the time of recording this, I am in the book of Jeremiah and I am deep into the weeds of the nation of Israel, uh, Judah, and also the Northern Kingdom are about to be going into exile. 
And so that if if I have a little bit of a harshness, re- harshness related to all that's going on there, my apologies. But uh, talk about what the Bible says about forgiveness. Well, for starters, the Bible is the story of forgiveness. God, the whole the whole thing. That's the story. The, the whole thing. End of discussion. It's a book about forgiveness. And and you might find it interesting to hear what I'm about to say. There are no examples of interpersonal forgiveness in the Bible. There's um, a couple of stories that Christ told, but there's no examples. There's some examples of reconciliation, but even on the cross, Christ didn't forgive the people who put him there. He asked the Father to forgive them which I talk about in the book, how if you just absolutely cannot forgive someone, you can pray for them and ask the Father to forgive them. Um, So if there's no examples of unforgiveness in the Bible, then where are we supposed to learn to be forgiving? Well, we learn it from God, and we learn it from Christ. Christ is the example of forgiveness that we try to emulate in our own life. And there's a number of places where we're, where we're told to forgive people as Christ has forgiven us. So that would be my first answer to your question about what does the Bible say about forgiveness? Hmm. So, uh, all right, <laughs> this is one of these questions is like, huh, is there really an answer to this? Do we really, can our human minds really grasp what it means when we hear that we are forgiven, we're forgiven by the Creator, by our Father, by Christ, and that we are the, in turn to transfer that to people we interact with. I, I just, and I'll tell you the reason it's kind of rolling in my head. I've, I've been kind of dwelling on this word eternity <laughs> and eternal life. And the thing I keep getting in my quiet time, the time I'm spending with the Lord is that, you know, you're going to have a hard time grasping this. And I wonder if even that word of forgiving like Christ forgive, forgave us is it's just tough for some of us to grasp. Well, that's part of the reason why I think a book on forgiveness from a Christian perspective is a little different than a book from a secular perspective, because I believe that it's our faith that helps us to be able to really embrace forgiveness. And faith is something that you can't see. You can't touch it. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, as the writer of Hebrews tells us. So I believe that faith is an important component of truly being a forgiving person or truly forgiving someone else. Yeah, and I think when people remove that, it really does become, I don't want to say superficial, but there's just tactics or, uh, you know, do this, do that, do that. And, and truthfully, I don't know that I've heard or seen, maybe you've done some research on it. I haven't seen a lot of uh, teaching, instruction and all. I mean, I, I hear it a lot. You just need to forgive, but not a lot of instruction like you've done. Before we get off the scriptural portion of it, though, to get into some practical things. And I think before we get off, I would love for you to give some tips or some get started. And we know that people will probably need to get the book, but for some, for some people that might think they might be dealing with things. But I, I, again, I I shared earlier, I'm in the middle of the old Testament right now, and I'm excited about getting to the new Testament in this chronological read through, but I can't help at times to contrast things like forgiveness, old Testament, and then New Testament. And and in the reading that I was doing last night in your book, you actually covered this some, so I'm going to allow you to discuss it here. But talk a little bit about when we're dealing with the Old Testament forgiveness that we see there, and then you've already talked about Christ in the New Testament, but just contrast those or, or bring those together for us uh, so that we can grasp the differences. Well, the Old Testament forgiveness was something that um, the victim was not required to grant. The person who 
committed uh, an offense against someone, it was their responsibility to go to them and ask them to forgive them. And it was a very serious thing. Um, they might have to change their lifestyle, change their name, move out of the community if, if they weren't able to get forgiveness granted to them. So it, it was a pretty serious part of the culture in the Hebrew times. Christ changed that when he came because we're all already forgiven under his um, under his blood, under the debt that he paid for us. And what he's told us is that regardless of whether you're the offender or the offended, you have a responsibility to try and create forgiveness. So it goes both ways. Hmm. So one of the sentences I, and I actually highlighted a number of things in the book here, I'll pull this up and, and I, this is kind of moving into a little bit of the, I, I think the practical things I actually have some more biblical questions, I think, but, and talks about, I think you referenced three types of forgiveness and I've got them here, but I was wondering if you maybe could just cover those because I think there's value in understanding the different categories because I think that word sometimes can mess with us. So what are, what are those three types that you talk about? I've got them if you, you probably know them, I'm guessing, but, but uh, what are those and, and tell about, us what they are. I think you're talking about self-forgiveness, divine forgiveness, and interpersonal forgiveness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of give us a little uh, a definition of each one of those. You've already kind of talked a little bit about it. Well, divine forgiveness is where we're holding God accountable for something that we feel we've been unjustly treated by or unfairly treated by God. And so we hold it against him. And that's goes back to what you were talking about earlier about how some people have feel they've been mistreated by the church. And so they um, bury their faith and turn their back on the church. Um, Self-forgiveness is where we are not able to give ourselves permission to let go of regrets that we have for things that we've done that we aren't pleased about or where we feel like we've made someone else a victim or we've made ourselves a victim of bad decisions and poor behavior. And those two things are not what this book is about. This book is about interpersonal forgiveness, where one person commits an offense, uh, treats another person unjustly or unfairly, and how does that person respond once they realize they've been treated in a way that they don't want to be treated? Okay, so, and and I think that helps understand because everything that we will talk about from here on out is kind of those, that interpersonal, and um, uh, th there is one other concept that you brought up, I highlighted, and I don't know exactly where I highlighted, but I, I highlighted something you talked about being self-centered, and that's something I have been really focusing on a good bit, and you know, self-focus versus trusting in God and just a lot of other things, self-focus versus others focused. Talk about how self-centeredness factors into this issue of forgiveness. Well, we all walk around with an idea in our mind of how we think we should be treated. And we learn that over time, starting when we're babies. Um, we develop a sense of what's fair treatment, what's just treatment, and how do I want to be treated? And so we have this, um, we have sort of these unenforceable rules in our mind. They're unenforceable because they're rules that we have that other people aren't aware of that we try to, that we can't enforce. We can't enforce how other people treat us. We can't make other people treat us the way we want to be treated. And so regardless of how strong your faith is and what kind of Christian you are, we all have a set of ideas in our mind about how we want to be treated. 
and those are self-centered. They're focused on what we think is in our own best self-interest. Hmm. And and to me, a lot of that self-centeredness has to do with spiritual maturity. And I think I think that's something that factors into this. I mean, do do you notice and you know, when we talk about spiritual maturity, it can kind of go in so many directions, but do you notice that people are more spiritually mature, can handle this better than others, that spiritual immaturity, I don't know. I mean, let's go ahead and throw spiritual maturity into the conversation and tell me how that factors in. I mean, I'll give you an example. Someone might say, well, Sister Susie, she's been in the church most of her life. She's read her Bible every day. She prays. You know, she shouldn't be dealing with any issues related to forgiveness. Well, maybe, maybe not. But uh, what about spiritual maturity and how it factors into this, even with self-centeredness or tie those together if they can be tied together? Well, spiritual maturity is what chapter five in my book is about. I call Mm. it internalization. As we internalize our faith and we internalize uh, the mind of Christ in our own hearts, we're better able to display uh, loving kindness. We're better able to display unconditional positive regard towards other people. We're better able to display agape love. And in the book, I talk about spiritual maturity as being achievable through four spiritual disciplines, prayer, meditation, scripture study, and fellowship. And we can go into those in more detail if you want, but but I believe that spiritual maturity is, uh, is at the core of our ability as Christians to be able to truly forgive other people for injustice towards mm-hmm. us. Right. So, so how does one know? And, and again, we're going to provide the book as a resource and I'm going to ask some items there, but how does someone know that they need to forgive? How would someone know that they've reached maybe an unhealthy level of unforgiveness or, uh, you know, what are some clues? Well, um, First of all, they would be experiencing um, ruminating thoughts about what's how they've been treated. When we start ruminating on what someone has done to treat us fairly or unfairly, um, that's a symptom or a sign that we may be experiencing unforgiveness. Um, if they're talking to other people about how they've been hurt and they're trying to enlist other people's support for to agree with them that they've been hurt in a certain way, they're probably trying to reduce their unforgiveness. When they have a story or a narrative that describes the transgressions or they seem preoccupied with a narrative of a story about how they've been treated, they're probably struggling with unforgiveness. Um, when they start harboring negative thoughts about how to respond to another person for treating them a certain way, or they're not able to effectively cope with the transgression, then the odds are that they're trying to reduce their unforgiveness. Hmm. Are there certain personalities or types of people that would be more prone to having to deal with this than others or I don't even know if I'm describing that right but uh, you know I guess what you talked to I think about you know some people's coping style and how they deal with things but are there some people and the reason I bring that up is I'm kind of this I'm kind of one of these people that might just push things aside like we talked about earlier I'm not saying that's healthy by the way I'm not saying that's a good thing and but someone might look at me and not be able to know that I might be dealing with some of that. But are there styles or or certain types of people that deal with this better than others? Um, in the book, I have a little survey that people take to help them identify what their anger style is, aggressive, mm-hmm. passive or assertive. 
People with an aggressive or a passive anger style are more likely to experience unforgiveness. But I also talk about coping. When we experience a transgression, we have an emotional reaction to it because it threatens our well-being. And if we can cope with that emotional reaction, then the odds are we, we won't go into a state of unforgiveness. But there's positive and negative coping styles. And when we have a negative coping style, a coping style that um, leads us to try to avoid what's happened to us, we're more likely to go into a state of unforgiveness. Hmm. So and I have a I have a survey in the book also to help people identify what their coping tendencies are, coping style. Yeah. I I think that would be helpful because it, it's kind of, it's some of these things. It's interesting you brought up uh, ruminating thoughts or it, they just keep rolling over in your head. And I, I had a situation and it actually was around Bible school that uh, had some interactions that were not very positive. And I recognized that I would be like, you know, years later, it's been a few years since I was there, I would still be thinking about the person that I'd had conversations with. And to me, that's probably a big indicator <laughs> to what you're talking about, that there was something related uh, to that. How does one know, well, you know, and, and I'm going to ask for a little more details on the book, but how does one know when they have forgiven someone else? How is it how is it like we're healed, we've moved through it, or we're done with it, or, or you know, all the techniques and strategies are worked, or is it, you know, I think sometimes, I think before people will get a hold of your book, it's just time a lot of, lot of, lot of times. Well, forgiveness does take time, and the research shows that. It's not something that we can snap our fingers and do despite thinking that we can. Um, it usually takes more time than, than that. Chapter three in my book is where I deal with the question you're asking right now. And um, let me try and organize my thoughts here for a second. Sure. We, when we're able to transition from negative intentions towards a person, in other words, we have a narrative in our mind where we sort of uh, imagine these things that we would intend to do if we had the opportunity to get even with or to get back at or to teach someone a lesson. When we're able to transition those negative intentions to positive intentions, thinking positive thoughts about how we would treat someone if we had the chance or what kind of gift we would give them to show them our good favor and how we've changed. Um, even though we may never actually interact with a person with negative or positive intentions, it's the thought process that is an indicator of whether or not you've forgiven or haven't forgiven. If you continue to carry a narrative in your mind that goes around and around about how you've been treated that may or may not be totally accurate, that narrative could be ambiguous because as we think about something, it takes on a life of its own. It begins to develop and snowball, and the facts get bottled up. As long as we have a narrative like that, then we're not, we haven't forgiven. We haven't forgiven until we can transition our thoughts from a negative to a positive intentions towards other people. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is, at least myself, I think it's easy for me to observe that in other people. I'm not sure that I could observe it in myself so well. I mean, I've been around some family members that went through divorces 50 plus years ago, but when they talk about it, it's almost as if it was last week that they're still communicating about that situation. And, uh, and, I, and I think that's a clue for me but I, I you know it's sometimes like we said it's easier to see that in others than possibly in ourselves who needs to pick this book up ron who who needs to get 
this yeah. book and I know and I know that I know as authors our typical answer is everyone but can you give us a little bit can you narrow that down a little bit we're going to put links and everything so people can get to it but who should really get this book well first of all the book is targeted at Christians so I wouldn't say everyone I would only say every Christian <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, even if they're not, we're okay with them jumping in and getting some of those scriptures and all. But uh, I when mean, I was writing, when I was writing this book, everybody I told about the book that I was writing said, "I want one of your first copies. Will you autograph a copy for me?" Even people who weren't Christian were saying that, and I would tell them, "This book is really targeted at Christians." We have some friends who are Jewish, and they said, "Well, I'm sure I'll get something out of it." So we all carry unforgiveness around with us. The question is, is that unforgiveness getting in the way of your well-being? Is it is it preoccupying you or is it dragging you down? Is it is it causing your well-being to suffer, your happiness? Do you have trouble with gratitude in your life? The people who are in that state, who are struggling to uh, let go of the rumination thoughts are the ones who should be the first ones to the bookshelf. And, you know, there are a lot of people, and I don't know that you're an expert in this and I'm not, but there are a lot of people that claim that there are physical things that can manifest if one is harboring oh, uh, quite a bit of unforgiveness, correct? Absolutely. Um, Unforgiveness creates all kinds of physical symptoms, and there's been a tremendous amount of research done on that topic. It affects it affects every aspect of our well-being, our physical, emotional, career well-being, financial well-being. It can affect everything about us. Yeah, so, all right, so any Christian, definitely someone who's got all these thoughts that roll around in their head, um, my gut tells me that people probably know they're needing to deal with stuff. I liked one of the things you did early on and it actually paused me to think I was on my Kindle, so I couldn't write anything, but you had a chart where you kind of list out some names and you look for, I think a low, medium or high level of, uh, um, I don't know what the exact word was, but you know, if, if it's someone you should forgive. And, and so there was a little bit of a, I don't know if this is the right word, ranking, so that one would kind of know as they go through the exercises. Um, I, I like the way you do that. Talk a little bit, uh, we've only got a few minutes here, but talk about the way you laid the book out. You've got 40 chapters, days, whatever, and why that was significant. And I, and I think this is where your organizational um, skills came in. So talk a little bit about that, and then we'll begin wrapping up here shortly. Well, there are seven chapters. The first chapter is an introduction. The next six chapters, each one deals with a different aspect of the forgiveness process, which is characterized by the word action. So each letter in the word action stands for the title of each one of those six chapters. So acknowledging the depth of how you've been impacted by the, uh, the unfairness, committing to make, to, to try to forgive another person, transitioning from negative intentions to positive intentions, internalizing your Christ-like spirit and, um, filtering your feelings of unforgiveness through that spirit, being open to the changes that being forgiving can make in yourself and in your life, and then nurturing those changes over time so that you don't get re-triggered by similar situations that may happen to you in the future. Those are the, the focus of each of the six chapters. But if you just try and take one chapter at a time, it's too much of a bite to, ch to chunk off and chew. So what I've done is I've broken the book down into 40 sections or 40 days of work. And each chapter has a number of days incorporated in it. 
each one of those days takes anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes to read and go through the exercise on. So we've broken it down into small bite-sized chunks to make it more accessible and make it easier for people to get through. Hmm. Yeah, I noticed that. I think I mentioned to you that I kind of got up to, and I was just reading it, not actually applying it, which is probably something that I need to look at as I got through, I think, like uh, day two. Uh, within that first chapter and and like I said well written excellent I can see the value there Ron I, I feel at times like I've bounced around a little bit is there anything about this topic that I may have not approached or asked correctly or well that you would like to address now anything that I'm, I mean I know I saw that you have you know there's some myths about forgiveness and things like that I just want to have a conversation but anything that I miss before we let people know where to find the book and how to get in, get connected to you well I'll use an analogy my last assignment in corporate life was changing the culture of how an organization managed health and safety and what I used to say to people, to the leadership, is this is going to improve your leadership skills in general, because you're not going to be learn to be a good leader around health and safety, and then go back to being a bad leader around everything else. And I kind of feel like forgiveness is the same thing. When you build your spiritual maturity, and you build your ability to be forgiving towards other people, you're not going to go back, go backwards you're going to be more spiritually mature in everything that you do. So I believe this book is sort of a boot camp for living the Christian faith and walking the talk. Mm, yeah, I love, almost wish we had started with that, but I'm glad that we're kind of putting an exclamation point on it because I would definitely agree with you. If someone's walking around with grudges and they're, quoting scriptures where David says, smite thine enemies, Lord, over and over again. I'm not sure, even though it's in the Bible, I'm not sure that's living the fruits of the spirit that we're, <laughs> we're told to live. And definitely forgiveness is a big part of that. I appreciate this conversation, Ron, and I appreciate uh, the book you've written and the work you're doing in this area. Tell people, we'll include it in the notes and things, but tell people where they can find you, the book, however you want people to connect with you. Go ahead and do that verbally here now, and we'll include it also in the notes so people can click on that and find it. Well, I have a website. It's called 40daystoforgiveness.com, and I have other podcasts there, and Every podcaster approaches this topic from a little different point of view. So some people may be interested in hearing some of the other videos that I have. Um, I also did sort of an introductory video to uh, forgiveness and unforgiveness. Uh, the book can be purchased at the world's biggest bookstore, Amazon. That's the easiest place to get it. You can also buy it on Barnes and Noble's website. Yeah, I was able to get I was able to get a digital copy and get it down on my Kindle here in the last couple of days so that I could uh, I could get some of the information read. Well, Ron, I, I appreciate it greatly. My final question here is we are seek, go, create those three words. I'm going to allow you to pick one of those words uh, that resonates with you more, is more important to you now, whatever. I mean, this is not super scientific or anything. Um, which word do you pick and why? And that's my final question. Well, probably seek, because the journey of forgiveness is something that can only happen if you're seeking it. If you've made a commitment and you um, to try to forgive and you've made a commitment to spiritual maturity, then you're seeking to improve yourself in general. And that's that process of seeking the mind of Christ is something that will influence everything in your life, not just your feelings of unforgiveness. Mm. Excellent. Ron, thank you for this conversation. I actually am recognizing that this is probably an area that I have probably kicked some dirt over and covered up a little bit more than I should. So it's actually been probably a little bit more 
uncomfortable having this conversation than I would care to admit. And so I'm glad I've stretched myself, hopefully a little bit. And I'm hopeful that listener that it stretched you because as Ron said earlier, this is probably a foundational topic, a foundational principle for those of us that are aspiring to live uh, the life of a Christian or a follower of Christ. And I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate that there's just a a softness and a warmth in your heart, Ron, that makes it very non-threatening to have this discussion. And so I appreciate that. I want to remind everyone that we have episodes every Monday that release. And as I said at the beginning, I want to remind you to connect with us. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments about all the episodes, but specifically this episode on forgiveness. That's a little bit, it skirts some of the things we typically talk about, but I believe it's an important leadership principle. It's important for people in ministry and it's important for just being the type people that we need to be. So I'd love to hear your comments and thoughts on all the channels. Like we mentioned earlier, we are seek, go create. So thank you for joining us today until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.